The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome to the nightmare good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of ghost chronicles next generation I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me today, I have a special co-host. She is the author of Medium Rare and the, let me see, psychic investigator, I guess is a good word, for the New England Ghost Project, Leslie Martin. Hello. Hey, how are you up there and wherever you are? Well, I've got to warn you that it's bike week up here in the Lakes region, and you might hear a really loud motorcycle or two go by, but <laughs> don't let it scare you. You know, you know what's really funny is that um, we have a place here, uh, like an ice cream stand, and every Tuesday night they have bike night, and they all come down there. Do you see some sights? What's that? Do you think? Do, do they dress up? Do they dress the part? Because we have people who wear nothing but chaps on um, <laughs> bike week. Uh, I don't think I want to know that. <laughs> it's quite an event up here in the Lakes region, yeah. Uh, that's all he wears, chaps? Well, I've seen, yeah, nothing but, but leather chaps on the, the motorcycles, yeah. Oh. And, well. and that's for women. <laughs> oh, that's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, that's, that's interesting you mentioned that. Somehow a woman's body is much more appealing naked than a guy's body. Well, On, on the I'm, whole, I'm talking general now. We're talking general, not... Um, I think you think that because you're male. Yeah. I don't know. Really? I think that a male body is pretty dark. Well, let, let me ask you, if you saw a naked woman or a naked guy, which one would you find more offensive? More offensive? Yeah. Uh, I, I have to make a judgment on what I see. I, I, I don't think I would find either of them offensive unless there was something offensive about them. Really? The, the, the human I, body is I, a beautiful I, thing. I tend to, oh, I tend to doubt that, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, we were... Uh, talking a couple weeks ago about, and speaking about motorcycles, that's where Ann is tonight. She is out with the uh, motorcycle group uh, that she rides with, and uh, they're up in New York someplace, uh, and I'm sure there must be a cemetery somewhere. Oh, she'll find it. She'll find a cemetery within, you know, 100 miles of where she's going, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely a tap mile. So anyways, 
Um, we have a, a uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on uh, Toadnet, Parax, Ghost Channel, and Beyond. And we have a young lady on our show tonight who is a medium like you are, Leslie. Oh, cool. And I have had I've had the opportunity to uh, work with her several times. And without further ado, let me introduce to you Lainey Crosby. Lainey. Hi, and thank you for calling me young lady. We're off well, to a good are. start, Ron. <laughs> yeah. when, when you're my age, everybody's young. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, good. No, this is a special time for you, uh, Lainey. You 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 are in the uh, Gettysburg. I mean, I had the chance to work with you uh, several times at uh, in Gettysburg. So I assume you're in that area. I'm actually down in. Um, well, if I were pretentious, I would say North Bethesda. I live just outside of Rockville in the in the D.C. area. I'm just an hour from Gettysburg, so I'm there a oh. lot. Oh, okay. So that's how you do it. Yeah, I'm I'm an hour away from my door to uh, to downtown Gettysburg. So that's it's an easy far. trip. Yes, it is. Hi, Leslie. Uh, I agree with you. Ron can get into the strangest things, can't he? He certainly can. He certainly can. Yes. My mind just goes in certain directions which I have no control of. But you, you know, a lady is. You are an intuitive, you are a medium, you are an investigative medium, which is the name of your new book, Investigative Medium, The Awakening. It is. Mm -hmm. And where is it available? It is available on Amazon.com. Right now it's an e-book. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is available on Smashwords if you have a Nook or um, any other device. It's available in any format on Smashwords, and within the next few days, it should be available in every online store, and it will be available as of July 1st from Amazon.com as a hard copy. But you can pre-order autographed copies from my website, and um, hopefully it will be in the bookstore around the corner from everybody soon. So we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. <clears throat> and speaking of your website, what is your website? Oh, thank you. It's www.lanecrosby.com, and that's L-A-I-N-E Crosby.com, C-R-O-S-B-Y, like Bing or Crosby, Stills, or Nash. Oh, so it is Lane. I, I always thought of you as Laney for some reason. I think Mark installed that in my uh, head. Well, I'm happy for you to call me Laney. My friends call me Laney, and you're my friend, so oh. please do. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I actually have a question for you and Leslie together, which is, is, is I've always been intrigued by it because you're a medium, Leslie's a medium. So, I mean, do you have that, I mean, how do you feel towards other mediums? And, and I'd like to ask both of you, I mean, I mean, how do you feel? I mean, you distrustful to them? Are you like sisters? I mean, what's, what's how is it for you, Lainey? And then we'll, we'll talk, ask Leslie as well. Well, I don't know about Leslie, but um it it depends on <laughs> depends on the medium. Um but it would be like you know anybody else that you meet in life. Um typically I'm I'm thrilled to meet another person who is a medium. Um 
and hopefully they would be the same because, gosh, we go through so much, and we have such similar experiences, and other people just don't understand what it's it's like all the time, and the information we get, and how we have to deal with this information, and how we have to, you know, really kind of surrender to this way of life, but when you meet another person who goes through this, all of a sudden, it's just, it's just sort of a given, you know, it's... Um, it, it, it's wonderful. It, my best friends, who I can just talk to and be myself with, they they get me. They're mediums, and I, I love that. I can totally be myself, and I don't have to explain things. Um, you know, like, like my husband gets me. Um, he's not a medium, but he's always saying to me when I tell stories, he's like, "Okay, you're talking about somebody who's dead or alive," you know, because. <laughs> At this point in my life, it's so the people spirits are so integrated into my life that you know those who've died are just the same as those who are alive. They just don't have bodies, you know. They're just as real to me. And other people who aren't mediums don't necessarily understand that reality because they don't perceive it that way. So I have to sort of block off that side of myself or compartmentalize, which is hard to do. Um, it's because interesting. It's interesting you say uh, that that word. Compartmentalize. Uh, uh, Compartmentalize, because that's that's what Leslie does a lot. She puts these little boxes up all the time. Uh, and Les, do you agree with, with Lainey? Do you feel the same way about other mediums? Well, I have to tell you, I'm a little apprehensive when I meet someone who says they're a medium, and yeah, I have to feel them out because I've been burned. <laughs> and um, because I've been burned, my, my guard's up just a little bit. But, you know, once I know that they're honest and they're truthful, because that's all I'm about is honest and truthful. Right. And, you know, I don't want to uh, – this sounds horrible. Um, no. I just want to be sure of whom I'm dealing with. So um, I do have my guard up at first, but, oh, my gosh, like Lane says, uh, the best people that you have around you also have, you know, mediumistic abilities because they understand you. They get you. And like you, Lainey, I, I compartmentalize. I, I, if I'm at one venue, like if I'm at work, I'm at work. If I'm at home, I'm at home. And when I'm doing my medium stuff, I do my medium stuff. But sometimes the boxes cross. So Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. And it you know, it it'll come out if somebody is wants to be a medium and they're not necessarily or that they 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 have sensitive abilities, they just don't quite know how to deal with it. I have this um there's a spirit at the David Stewart farm. My friend Stephanie Maitland owns this farm in Gettysburg. I don't know if you've had a chance to go out there, Ron. No, I haven't. If you haven't, I'll take you out there, it's great. Yeah. Um um, but I do a lot of events out there. Um, one I'm doing uh, a week from Friday, and there's a spirit out there by the name of Margaret. And people come all the time to the farm, and they bring their ghost groups out there. And Margaret will report on them, and she'll say, this woman says she's a medium, and she couldn't even hear me. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll kind of give me the inside scoop on everybody. It's, so, it's, so this is the dead the dead this, person reporting to you, right? Yes, this is a dead She lived in the 1700s. She was. Oh, that, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, she lived on the property a long time ago. <laughs> so it's it's funny. And and what that is this event you have coming up? Um, that is, it, there's going to be one of these super moons, you know, those gorgeous, huge, like harvest moons, um, in Gettysburg. Um, 
on the wee hours of the morning of the 23rd, which is Sunday in the, another week, um, and we're having our event that Saturday night, the 22nd, until 11, just a few hours before it, it's the widest. So it's, we're going to be out on the farm doing an investigation under the full moon at the David Stewart Farm, which is 100 acres and a lake. It's absolutely gorgeous. There, there are um, Civil War soldiers, and there are colonials there, and there are Native Americans, and there are hunting parties. And it's just um, it's a fun place to be. And I've, I've met most of the spirits there. And they're, um, they're, they're fun folks. They're fun people. So we're, I'm doing it with Brad Christman, who is the manager of Pennsylvania Radio Networks. Mm-hmm. So if uh, for those who live in PA, he's kind of the voice of PA, and oh, wow. um, he's out there talking with me about um, how to get Class A EVP. So we're going to be out and about next Saturday night, a week from this Saturday. And I, I kind of ask a question, because you do a lot of work at Gettysburg, and, and of course there's so much tragedy at Gettysburg. I mean, is it really draining on you? Uh, versus, for instance, if you just did an investigation, say at some house where you know there's a couple spirits or something, is it is there a different? Is it so much draining? Is it no, no different? I don't know. I'm have to ask you that. Well, you know, it used to be it used to be more draining. Um, I, I learned from another psychic, you know, how <laughs> she said um, try to work out a lot and get your energy up so that, you know, it's it's easier. And I haven't quite worked up to that point because it's still always raining for me. But um, uh, I'll tell you, I guess whenever I do this, it is. But the more spirits you have, the more draining it's going to be because it will, no matter how you're protected and how much white light you have around you and how many angels, you're still, the spirits are still going to pull that energy off of you and it, it, when you've got 50,000 dead and injured walking around the Gettysburg battlefield um it, it's just very difficult just it's overwhelming you know so you're going to feel tired we have a lot of mediums who um Mark Nesbitt and I have people who come visit and we'll take them out on the, the battlefield from time to time and and they'll have to go home or go back to the hotel in a couple hours and sleep for hours because they just they can't go on anymore because they're sensitive and it just is overwhelming. And I think that I've just been doing it so much there that you know I've kind of worked up to it. But um, yeah, it does take a lot out of you. And I'll tell you, we do these weekend events there. Um, and most of the the winter, we do a lot of events. And when I come home on Sundays, I'm exhausted, and I'm so clear audience by Sunday that I'm hearing everybody I have, you know, very haunted houses as you'll read in my book. And um you know, I live on an old plantation and I, there's a slave cemetery in my backyard and um I I have kids, I have a dog barking, I have, you know, very busy life, so I don't typically hear this kind of stuff around my house unless I tune it in or or they come to me and they want something from me and they tap me and ask me something. Um but I'm wide open after coming to Gettysburg for days. It takes me a good three days before I can sort of shut myself down from hearing every little thing. Um, so that's so, as it uh, Le- Leslie, do you have the same problem? Do you find that, that you can't have difficult shutting down? Well, I've gotten good at getting in my boxes, but um, – I'll come home and, like Lane said, I'll have someone playing with my hair. Hey, 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 you know, they want to talk to me or, you know. But yeah. um, <laughs> I, I say I, I'm at home now, you know, 
I will talk to you later when I have time. And I always do find time, like when I'm doing the meditations or whatever. But, um, yeah, when you get home, you are more open. And um, I find that I'm fine, like I'll drive home from events, like, two hours and I'll be fine but the next day oh my god I'm good for nothing <laughs> yeah yeah I know what you mean it, it, it just wipes you out and these yeah. events we do on weekends I would if I were just me I would never do events like this we have five investigations I, I get like five or six hours sleep so by the end of it I'm just you know a noodle and I walk mm-hmm. in the back door not being able to feel anything and my daughter a lot of times you know she's a medium, and she looks at me, she's like, you got four soldiers following you in the back door, and I will have no idea, because <laughs> by this time, I can't feel anything, <laughs> so I, I know exactly how you feel. Have you been to Gettysburg before? I did go to the Gettysburg. We took a family vacation down there, and as soon as I stepped foot on the battlefield, oh, my God, I was getting things before we even got into Gettysburg, um, along the, there were rolling hills before we even got there. I'm really bad at, like, places and directions and stuff because I don't pay attention. But um, there's this, like, open field before you even get into Gettysburg, before you get into the town. And I was starting to feel things then. Um, and when we got to the battlefield, I was just overcome with, like, grief. And, and everywhere you look, there's something. And there's smells and there's feelings and there's, injuries and oh my god it's, it's overwhelming yeah. for someone who's not used to something like that who's open to walk into that so yeah it's pretty cool to help that though and when this first started for me i would pray and say oh open me up lord <laughs> <laughs> and after uh, what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, one time <laughs> mark says he thought he killed me i was so sick after that one time that I, i'm like shut me down god please <laughs> <laughs> but next time you come to Gettysburg, let me know. I'll come up and meet you, and we'll we'll go to some places if you like. Oh, tell me. Fantastic. Thank you. That would be yeah, awesome. It, it, it's a great place. I mean, uh, we went to the – oh, I always screw the name. Is it Daniel Lady Farm? Is that The right? Daniel Lady Farm, yeah. Oh, my God, I got it right. Oh. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there was so much tragedy there. I mean, in the building – uh, you know, where so many limbs were chopped off, how many soldiers died. You know, it's it was simply amazing, uh, the tragedy there. And it's got to be imprinted uh, in the building, in the ground, I mean, everywhere there. It's just simply amazing. And yet you go there so many times. Do you Are you numb to it almost, or, or is it like, I, I don't know. I, I just, it just, I just find it hard to fathom how you could, deal with so much misery the weird thing is that it's different every time i go um sometimes i'll feel it and then sometimes i won't and it depends a lot on who's been there um and what energy has been there they used to have a caretaker who he wasn't there very often and um the house just sat um and I would, we'd feel it a lot more, and there was a lot of bad energy. Like, um, soldiers would come in and harass us more, or you know, would be like, "We want to talk to you now," and um, more, more sick people. And um, now they have a caretaker who is um, a healer, and she and her husband and family own a health health store in Gettysburg, and it is the most lovely place. And you go in, and it feels wonderful. Really? And it is great. And since I went in, when we filmed for um, the TV show for the Travel Channel, um, 
I, when I went in and talked to the soldiers, said, I hate to tell you this, but you're dead. And we crossed over about 20 of the soldiers in the operating room. One of them told me, we had no idea we'd been dead until you told us that. So ever since then, it's been a little it's been a little lighter, but it does it does change. Now, one night I went over there. It was a few. It was like July of 2010, and typically the house is full of Confederates. The field's full of Confederates because that was really kind of behind it, Confederate lines. It was a Confederate field hospital, but this night it was Union, and the Union soldiers were yelling at me to leave. They said it was no place for a lady, and um, I had to go, and I, I just. I wouldn't go, and um, I realized that this was not nice for me to do. I was really causing these soldiers a lot of frustration. Um, they were telling me they were going to have to, you know, make me leave, and um, I, so I, I explained to them that, you know, they had died, and it had been years, and um, I said, see, you know, look, um, there's a there's a pond there now, and there's a full moon, and and they said, there's no pond there. There is a road where you're pointing, and it is black as night. There is no full moon. And um, I asked Mark, I said, they're telling me there is no full, there's no moon at all tonight, and there's a moon is full, and that there was a road where that pond is. And he said, he went and looked up the moon, and he said, well, it was, or he, or he knew, probably, I don't recall, but he said that um, there was, Nothing in the sky that night. You couldn't see anything because of the clouds, and I think it was a full moon on top of that. And there had been a road where the pond was, so that the spirit had been correct. So he saw me there, yet he didn't see anything else the way it was in 2010. But there were Union forces on that property, and I said, how, how do you know where you are? And he said, well, the map comes down from the senior officers, and it's sort of passed down to – um, you know, down through the levels, and then we go out and show all the men underneath us, you know, where to go and uh, into the battle the next day. But um, so it was that. That is an example of you know answering your question. It was the first time I'd ever seen Union soldiers there on that property. And so it does change. It does change. I did what I could to cross them over into heaven, but you know, a lot of them just thought I was crazy. So yeah, I mean. Uh, you, you realize that uh, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is the crossing over thing. Um, I knew you were going to say something about that. <laughs> I know it, I know it, I know it. And, and it, it's just my opinion. It's not my, anyone else's. And uh, I, I find that part hard to fathom that, you know, spirits who've been there for hundreds of years can be just crossed over by a couple words. I, I find that difficult. Um, and that's just me, though. I mean, not just saying it, it doesn't happen. I'm just saying I am having problems fathering that. Well, it's more than a couple words. Um, and help me out with this. <laughs> it's, um, they're really not in the, the right mindset. They're, I, I call it they believe the lie. You know, and there are many reasons they tell me that they die. They they don't they don't one, not that they die that, that, that they're there. Sometimes right. they don't believe they're dead, like these folks. They thought they were still fighting the battle. Some of them don't have anywhere else to feel like they don't have anywhere else to go. Um, they feel like God won't take them because of the things they did, or they don't believe in God, so they feel like there's nowhere else to go. Or everybody they knew who was a lot when they were alive is still there, so why go anywhere else? Right. But the real reason. Besides all these things they tell me, is they believe a lie, and that lie is 
that we are physical beings and we die and now we're spirits, okay? And the reality of it is, is that we're spiritual beings and when we die, well, we're spiritual beings and we come into this world and we incarnate, then when we die, we go back into being spiritual beings again. And it seems like that there's this, you know, it's the same thing. But it's really a very, it's a subtle nuance. But it's, it's really much more profound than just a subtle nuance because when you believe that you're a physical being and you have died and become a spirit, then you're still clinging on to the material things in your life and you're not moving on. But when you accept the fact that you were once a spiritual being, God is there for you, um, this, there is this place for you to move on, to go on with the rest of your eternity, then you can move on with your life. You can let go. And that's what they're really doing. They're they're letting go and they're moving on. And to do this, it's not just an act of the mind. It's an act of the heart. And they have to change their heart in order to do this. Right. So, um, so I mean, Lainey, when I ask you these questions, it's not that I'm doubting you. It's, it's that I want to understand. I'm trying to understand certain things because I – I believe we are spiritual beings, and I mean, our bodies are just a vessel, just another tool, basically. And the more I delve into science and everything now, I understand a lot more about the, the spiritual end of it. And, and when I go into quantum physics and I understand about, you know, uh, quantum entanglement and everything, how they, the molecules can stay together and everything, it makes a lot of sense. So it, 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 that part I'm trying to understand. It's not that I'm, I'm really kind of like doubting you. It's just that I am saying this so that you can explain to me so I can try to understand. But I, one thing I agree 100% with you in, in that you mentioned it, it's free will. That we Even in our right, data, right. we have free will. Exactly, and I, and I I agree. You know, quantum physics is so interesting, and I I have no idea about all of that. I just think that science probably hasn't gotten to where we are yet. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, um, what would you th- what do you say about this, Leslie? How would you? I think science is something for the physical plane. Science is not something for the metaphysical plane, and I think that's why science can't prove things in the spiritual realm because it it it. Facts, it's like things that you can see, and nothing in the spiritual world is something that you can see. So. Very well stated. Exactly. I mean, we're just we're coming up to the break now at 30 seconds, but all, all, every world, whether it's spiritual world or a physical world, is governed by some type of laws. And laws, I don't mean by things passed by humans. Uh, there are certain uh, laws of physics, laws of physics in the spiritual world, which may be different than the the thing, but there are an order to the universe. Anyways, that is the break, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with New England's own band, Helsink, Ron Kolick, and the medium rare herself, Leslie Martin, and a very, very special guest, the investigative medium, Lainey Crosby. And we'll be right back after the following messages right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. 
We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place an oasis in this hectic world. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with um, Leslie Martin and Ron Pollock and our special guest, Lane, Laney Crosby, right here on Tokenet, Pararex Ghost Channel Beyond. So, Laney, you have a new book coming out, which is available on Kindle and ebook, and it is called uh, The Investigative Medium, I believe, The Awakening. Yes. Yes, it is. Thank you, Ron. And and tell us a little bit, what what is this book about? Well, it's about how I I literally woke up this morning, one morning, talking to Ghost. Um, I was not a medium. I moved here about seven or eight years ago from Atlanta, and we moved to an old plantation in Maryland. And um, I just... Hurt my back and went to went to bed and fell asleep and heard a voice of a woman talking to me and woke up and I was talking to a spirit on the uh, in the plantation where I lived and it all started from there <laughs> that the um, talking with the slave um, then the um, the clairvoyant the seeing the the crimes that I saw. Um, the missing persons, and um, I talk about how I had to, had to accept this. I, I, it was a very difficult ride. I wasn't accepted by my family, um, not my family with my husband and kids. They were going through the same thing as I was, but I was, um, you know, it's difficult, Leslie. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure you've you've been through through it as well with people who who don't accept you too but i talk about my acceptance and my surrender to it and having to really accept myself before others could could accept me and um my mother's life and my mother's death and getting her through that and really learning what life was all about throughout this process i met a slave by the name of Jeanette here on the plantation she told me a lot about her life, her challenges, um, how she wanted freedom, but hers was a freedom of the heart, not a freedom of the body. Um, she really helped me a lot along the way, and she taught me a lot. She had has told me stories. I've sat and I've written the stories that she's told me word for word as she's told them to me. Um, there's a love triangle with... William, her master, who she was in love with, and with Bill, the spirit of the uh, another slave who who um, she fell in love with, and um, it, it's just an incredible love story. So, and I think that the story that she tells me, in many ways, parallels some of the experience that I that I've had. Not necessarily the, the love story, but you know, having having to surrender and having to. Um, accept 
what I didn't want to accept in order to live the life that I, I was intended to live rather than the life that I just wanted to live. Okay. Um, so what, the awakening, is that where the title comes from because you uh, you weren't aware of this or was it the, the move to the plantation that really awakened you, I guess? Well, it awakened my abilities. I um, I I woke up. And I heard a voice, and the voice said, I have a son the same age as yours. And um, it was louder than the other voices in my dream at the time. And I said, confused, I said, I, he's my son, he's not yours. And I heard her get even louder and very softly reply, I, I know he's your son. And at this point, I thought, oh, wait, I'm, I'm wakening up, there's somebody here. And I said, what is your name? And I heard Jeanette, and I opened my eyes, and I saw this beautiful woman with an almond-shaped face and light, light, dark, light black skin, um, and she just disappeared. And I told my husband when he got home that day, I realized, wow, I made contact with the other side, and I said, you know, Chris, I think I, I talked to a ghost. You have to help me. You have to see if you can do this, too. I've never done this before. This is absolutely wild. So I sat, and I kind of tried to concentrate all I could. I didn't know exactly how it was done. Um, I knew that I was asleep when I first heard it, and I was coming out of that deep sleep when I was able to really connect with her. So I tried to be very, very calm, sort of alter my state of consciousness. I waited, I didn't hear anything, and I didn't hear anything, and I kind of bit down and tried to blank out my mind. And suddenly I heard, I touch his hair at night. He reminds me of the man I once loved. Uh-huh. And I said, Chris, she plays with your hair at night. <laughs> you remind her of her lover. Well, that didn't go over so well with Chris. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't come into bed that night. He slept on the sofa. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the next morning I um I I got up and I looked to find out, you know, where I lived, who lived here, and I couldn't find anything, and I just felt this compulsion like I had to get in the car and drive. So I got in the car and I drove to the, end of the driveway and I just stopped. I didn't know where to go. And we had just moved here, so um we live on Rock Creek Park, which runs you know, from way up here in Rockville all the way down through the district, you know, miles. And it's it's just a huge park. And um, the plantation that I live on was once a 1,000 acres. And I don't live in the manor home. I live on a new house on the property of that plantation. Oh. So um, I had not seen the manor home, although it was a half a mile down the street from me. So I, I sat there, and I felt the compulsion to turn right. So I did. I turned right, and I drove down the street past the golf course that we live on. And um, suddenly this huge, beautiful house comes into view, and this long driveway with these loblolly pines. And I'm like, this, this is it. This is gorgeous. So I turn down the driveway, and I find out that it's owned by the um, – the Parks and Recreation Department. So I thought, well, this is great. I'm not trespassing. So I pull into the parking lot next to the home, and I look in back of the house, and I see slave cabins. And I feel a presence again, and I said, Jeanette, is this where you lived? And I heard simply, yes. So I, I'm not sure how I got <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> 
I'm not sure how I got to the front door. I ran. I well, I don't know. I, I was so excited. I, I raced to the front door. I banged on it, and the historian for the county came, and he opened it, and he said yes. And I said, I have to know what happened here because I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing people talking to me, and all of a sudden I realized, oh my gosh, I sound like I'm nuts. And I said, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I said, where am I? What is this place anyway? And he told me he was the historian, and um. He said, yeah, I thought he's probably, you know, worried for me <laughs> or scared of me. I didn't know. And he pointed down the driveway and said, did you see that, that woman who's just leaving? And there was a Fox News van that had pulled out. And I said, no. And he said, well, she came because she interviewed us for the Halloween special. We have lots of ghosts here. Come on in. Huh. So I, I didn't know whether to be relieved or not. <laughs> So I, I came in the foyer, this beautiful grand foyer, and the stairs that went up four stories. So I'm waiting, and he says, well, I'm going to go get Hannah, the, the archaeologist, and she'll be down in a minute. So he trudges up the stairs, and I'm standing there, and the clock strikes one. And I turn around and see this old grandfather clock, and I can just imagine what this place looked like, you know, 150 years ago. And next to the clock, there is a tintype picture of the family that used to live there. So I, I look closely at the picture, and chills run up my spine. My husband's face is looking back at me. Stop it. His name is William George Robertson, and um, that was who Jeanette was in love with. And he looked, oh, my God. Gosh, he looks just like my husband. And even my husband thinks he's a spitting image of him. Um, so it, it all started from there, and I got to learn about her love affair and her life and her, her love triangle with the other slave, Bill. And um, it's just an, you know, it's an amazing love story. I've just been captivated by her telling me about her life here. And the other slaves, too. She's a great storyteller. And I've asked her, I said, Jeanette, how can you be such a great writer? And she says, I'm not a writer. We told stories. You know, I'm a, I'm a storyteller. That's what we did. We passed down stories from generation to generation. You know, so um, she told me, and I wrote them down and um, talked about how, how, you know, my life changed as a result of hers and result of how all this started with me, it, it really escalated. A lot of spirits started coming to my house and things started happening and very, some very scary things started happening, but I, you know, I calmed them down. I had to learn how to take control of, take control of everything. I didn't want this gift. Oh gosh, I wanted to get rid of it. Um, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I called it my curse. And by the end of the book, which ends in 2005 with the death of my mother, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it, it brought her peace. Um, I, I went through a lot. It's both funny and it's both, uh, um, it ends on a happy note. But there was a lot that, a lot that went on. It has a happy ending. That's important. It, it does. It has a very happy ending that will bring comfort to people. And, and like I said, I wouldn't have it any other way. And, I, Leslie, I bet you're the same way. We rely on our gift. <laughs> we do. We do. Now, you said something interesting. You said that Jeanette came to you. She was the first one that you'd ever heard, and you had hurt your back, and you fell asleep, and you woke up. We don't know where this gift comes from. We just know we have it. I wonder if the spirit sort of enabled you because she was infatuated with the way your husband looked like her lover to open you up 
I wonder if it happens that way. Oh, I wonder. I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Because we really don't know how we come about this. <laughs> it just yeah. happens. So I wonder now if it's because of the spiritual end of it or if it's something physiological within us. Oh, now you've got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That means she'll have 16 things in her bog before the night's over. Yeah, right. <laughs> Twelve experiments. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is she's a really hot energy. You can always feel her when she's around. I can't feel her in the summer too much because she's really warm. If I'm outside, I don't feel her so much. But in the winter, you can always feel her. And I can tell when she's around my husband because he'll just throw off the covers and go, oh, I'm so hot. <laughs> I'm like, it's Jeanette again. <laughs> and Jeanette's saying, yes, you are. You're hot. <laughs> <laughs> So and so, sometimes she'll she'll say I'm she'll come to me and she'll say I'm gonna I'm gonna get your husband to talk about this you know and she'll just kind of play around and she'll get him to bring up a subject you know and he won't have any idea so you know maybe she is doing that you're right <laughs> getting the thought, thoughts across that's for sure. Lainey, <laughs> mm-hmm. you you working in Gettysburg and of course you work with Mark Nesbitt a lot who I think is one of He's a great EVP guy. He does does a fantastic job with it. He's really low-key, but he gets great results. Um, but you're a medium, so you speak with spirits, so you know that they are and everything else. But do you still look for physical evidence, too? Do you still get a charge out of that as well? I mean, I mean, we all love to see physical evidence because we are physical. I mean, but do you get that same charge out of physical evidence? Well, you know, I have I bought one of those RRDR60 recorders, and I tell you when I like it. And Mark and I are completely different about this because he doesn't like to talk to his family. He mm-hmm. likes to talk to spirits, and I only Me use too. it to talk to my family. <laughs> you know, uh, you know what? Maybe it's a guy thing, Lenny, because I don't do that too. I keep my family totally out of it. <laughs> well, like when my my son makes a hundred on his paper, he can't hear my mom, so I'll get her to say something on the recorder, and then he'll hear it. He'll hear her say, "Oh, that's incredible," you know, and that'll help him understand. Hey, she's right there with him, you know. So I love doing that. Otherwise, I hear her. So you know, it's really uh, it's exhausting for me to have to go through the motions when I can just hear her. But when I want that extra confirmation or to show it to somebody else, yeah, it's great. Um, I love pictures any time, but um, I get a lot of ghost pictures just from taking pictures. Um, I don't necessarily try. They just get in my pictures and tend to um, mess up a lot of my family shots. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many ghost pictures I get. But um I'm- I'm particularly um, lucky with the ghost shots, too. And, you know, you feel energies, well, if you're on an investigation, so you just shoot. But they just show up. Um, yeah. There are a, a couple that Ron and I have experienced together, and it's, it's, I don't know if it's because they like us or if it's because we attract the energy, but why would our cameras pick them up? I don't understand that bit. What is your thought on that? Um. I've often thought that we, you know, I've heard that some people just have the energy around them so that they're attracted to that and because they somehow, and I don't know anything about science, it's easier to take a picture and have it, you know, 
have it turn out. I've kind of thought it was because they were attracted because they could see that energy. Like I had a woman on the sub, a spirit. I, I'm going to have to tell you <laughs> whether it's a real woman or a spirit so you'll understand me. Um, I had a spirit of a woman on the subway come to me and sit down. And I said, how did you know I could hear you? And she said, I could just tell by your energy. Oh, and I said, how could you tell? And she goes, I don't know. It's just something about you. She goes, see that guy? And he was sitting across from me. And this is on the Metro. I was down at, like, Union Station in D.C. And I said, and this guy got on. And she said, yeah. I said, yeah. And she said, he has it too. But I don't think he knows it. She goes, watch this. And <clears throat> she went over to him, and I felt her energy go over to him. And he got up from his seat. There was nobody sitting next to him, and there was nobody sitting in the next row, and he moved physically to the next row like he was uncomfortable where he was. And he just got up moved to the next row. And she came back to me, and she goes, see, he didn't know that he could feel me, but he could. It made him uncomfortable. Huh. I, said, I said, wow. So, um, you know, I, I think that they just they just know. They see it somehow, and they they just come, and somehow it turns out on film. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I love have- him. I actually have a question from the uh, Tojinet chat room, and this was before, and uh, I just haven't had a chance to get it in. This is from Lou, and he says, what are the factors that lead some spirits to stay? And you talked a little bit about it. So, I mean, evidently they can tell you uh, if you're that clear audience, right? So what what do you find are the reasons that that they stay and and we talked a little bit about free will, but uh, there are reasoning, right? Right, right. Well, well, Lou, they in Gettysburg, a lot of them stay because they tell me God won't take them because of awful things they've done, and then they show me what they've done and who they've killed on the battlefield. Um, yeah, that's no fun. They, um, like the Jeanette here in my house, she said everybody I know has always been is here. Everybody I've always known is still here. Why would I want to go anywhere else? Now, Ms. Kitzmiller at, at Mark's house, at um, the Ghost of Gettysburg headquarters in Gettysburg, yep. she, she hasn't crossed over. She is very, she's God-fearing. She's a just a, a Christian woman. She has wants us to put up crosses all over the place. But she's never crossed over into heaven. When we asked her why, she said, well, I've seen a lot of these soldiers come back after they've crossed over. So it must not be that great. <laughs> so, yeah, she is not convinced. Um, I had one guy following me around that didn't believe in God. I couldn't convince him that there was a God. I had to have him carried off to another dimension because he was bothering me too much. Um, he would not. He would not go over to heaven because he didn't believe there was a heaven. So he. He just he couldn't go somewhere he didn't believe. Um, you can't you know you can't go somewhere if you don't know where it is. Right. And then um, you know there are people that don't don't know that they're dead. Like I had I've had a couple of people like this, but I had one guy at the engine house. Ron, we've been to the engine house together. Oh, absolutely. And I was with Patty Wilson, and we got such a cool kick place. out of this. We pardon me. It's a very cool place. It is a great place. And um, my friend and medium, Patty Wilson, and I were walking down the railroad track inside the engine house, and we both looked down, and there's this guy. He's reaching up going, help me, help me. And we looked at each other, and she goes, 
do you want to or shall I? And I said, okay, I will. (laughs) I said, I hate telling you this, but I need to tell you that I'm so sorry, but you have died, and I can help you find your way. And he, he goes, interrupts me and says, oh, well, now that makes a lot of sense. Thanks. He goes, I know where to go now. And poof, he was gone. So he just didn't know. His his perception of reality just was was different. He was in a different frame of mind, just like the, the guy who died drunk in Fredericksburg who was still sitting in the, the the chocolate shop on the you know, and I got on the floor and I said, you know, you've you've died but he still thought he was so drunk when he died, he just didn't realize that hundred and fifty or I guess it was the seventeen hundreds. It amazes me how you can't know that you've died, and for 200 years people are walking around your feet buying chocolate, you know? Right. That's that's, that's another one of my little hang-ups. I can't understand that as well, that you don't know you're dead. I mean, But it happens. I mean, not everybody's in the same frame of mind you are, you know? And he was drunk. A lot of people are just not mentally right, and their perception of reality is skewed. Yeah, I, I can understand. Oh, I hear a ghost dog. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I came outside to get away from them. <laughs> I'm in my car. So, Leslie's hiding in the car to get away from the dogs. There you go. So <laughs> one other thing I want to ask you, and this goes back to my original talk in the beginning about mediums, other mediums. If you are working with another medium and another medium comes up with different information than your feeling or, or a different spirit than you're talking to, how do you handle that? Are you a captain of it or are you – how do you handle it? Oh, that happens all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. Patty and I pick up different people all the time, and and it's it's wonderful and it's funny and it's a great confirmation. Um, typically, you know, one person will go over to Patty and we'll be sitting even – close to each other. Um, an example of this is, um, oh, I can't remember his name, aide to General Lee is, is often at the cash down, and there's often a Confederate soldier there who talks to me, and <clears throat> the aide, excuse me, I have bad allergies, I hate to keep doing that over the air, but um, aide to General uh, Lee was talking to Patty, and I'm getting information, and it's often hard to tell who's you know getting what information from whom, but on several occasions we've heard you know different people telling us the same type of information. It's just like you're sitting there talking to talking to somebody, and there's several people talking at the same time. And when you can't see their their mouth, you don't know who's telling you what. So sometimes the information is contradictory, and sometimes we'll think, you know, I'm getting different information than you are. I think we're talking to two different spirits. Mm-hmm. And that's typically always the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's contradictory, but um, so it, you you wouldn't be offended, and you certainly wouldn't think, "Well, she don't know what she's talking about," because they're connecting with a different spirit, simply, right? Oh gosh, no! I mean, if somebody is just expounding on what they think happened, yeah. um, but somebody like Patty Wilson or Julie Pettig. Pellegrino, right. somebody who's really reputable like that, oh, heavens no. I would think, okay, they're picking on some, up on something that I'm not. I'm picking up on somebody different. It right. happens so often. Um, you know, inter- different spirits pick and choose who, who they talk with for different reasons. Actually, I get a lot of 
I'm sorry, it's the same in this world. I mean, we pick and choose who we want to talk to and who we find uh, who we want to spend time with. So why wouldn't it? You know, it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. One time we were doing an investigation, Maureen, who you've worked with before, and uh, mm-hmm. Leslie was there and this other young lady uh, in my group, Karen Ruck, uh, and we were doing glass swirling. And it was really crazy because we actually had two different spirits coming through. And, and Les, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I've never that. done that before. Tell me. So Les. the glass is on the table. It's upside down. We all have our finger on it. And we uh-huh. ask questions. And if it's yes, then the glass rolls in a circle. And we were asking questions. And we didn't seem to be getting the same information that we were asking. You know, it was, like, contradictory. And when we got off the glass, Karen and Ron said, oh, my God, it felt so light and airy. And and Maureen and I were like, oh, my God, it felt like it was in mud. What are you talking about? So we were in the same spot having different experiences with different information. So it was really quite With two different spirits. Right, right. Yeah. But we were standing together at a table on the same glass. Yet we had different experiences. Oh, yeah. So we, we were occupying the same space. Well, and, you know, spirits travel in the – they travel in the shape of an orb in their, you know, easiest form before they start to materialize. So, you know, you can have several orbs and, and within inches of each other, several spirits. So what is well, time and space? <laughs> exactly. And that's the interesting thing about it is that – I, I have found anyways, and, and I don't know if you have, Laney and, and Leslie, is is that there are some times we run into spirits in a, in a location, and there may be two or three different spirits, and, and some of them are unaware of the other spirits. You know, I've seen that before, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's amazing. That's why I love doing this, because it, it's, you know, so interesting. And it's their it's their perception of and their perception of reality, you know. Everybody's reality is different. Absolutely. Very so I know we're running out of, of time. Uh, do you need anything else you want to add, uh, Lainey? Thank you so much for having me. Y'all are wonderful. Oh no, and thank th- you, and and, and good luck with your new book and thank uh, you. your website. Once again, once you give that out. It's lanecrosby.com, L-A-I-N-E-C-R-O-S-B-Y. And thanks to everybody who tuned in to listen tonight. Um, I appreciate it very much. And if there's anything else I want to say, please believe those who you love are still with you. Cool. And, uh, well, that was the doorbell, which means the pizza from the dead is here, so we've got to (laughs) say goodbye to you. So, once again, we've been speaking with Lainey Crosby. Uh, Her new book is Intuitive Meaning Awakening, Intuitive... Investigate a medium, the awakening. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am I'll so send bad. you your copy soon. <laughs> I apologize. I'm so bad. <laughs> I'm looking at three screens here, so I can't even pull it up. Oh, well. Anyways, Laney, thank you so much. And if you see Marks, tell him I said hi. I will. Will do. All right. All right. <laughs> have a good night now. You too. Take care, y'all. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. What an interesting lady. Oh, she's good. I had a chance to work with a couple times, and, uh, yeah, she's different. And uh, that's why I love there are are all different types of mediums. People get different information in different ways, and and I find Mm -hmm. that really, really interesting. Well, we're all all unique. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
we are, which you know, which is good, you know, and 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 once again, it, it's it's who we are, it's our energy that matters, and, and not our bodies as well. I mean, you know, women especially are so hard on each other and on appearances and everything else. That's not who we are. Who we are is our energy. It, that's who we really are. And well, whatever. I don't want to get on into that again. But I do have one thing to uh, mention, and that is this. Uh, Tuesday, the third Tuesday every month, I have my paranormal study group at Circles of Wisdom. This time it's on the June 18th at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover, and my special guest will be uh, EVP specialist Mike uh, Markowitz, who is, has his own theories about the afterlife. And uh, so uh, that's uh, if you want to interest and sign up, go to the Circles of Wisdom website or our website, which is the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, and eghostproject.com. So, Leslie, thank you so much for filling in for Ann. You did a fantastic job, as usual. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Van Helsing, thank you. And uh, I guess it's time to wrap it up and say hello to your little doggies for me. <laughs> I'm sure well. And say hello to St. Jan for me. All right. So until next time, it's time to say good night and God bless everyone. Goodbye. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.